Welcome to Disrupt's podcast and the second episode of a very special three-parter looking at Africa's edtech sector, released in partnership with eLearn Africa. Last week, we heard about the scope of Africa's educational challenges and how edtech startups are working to address them. This week, with the help of eLearn Africa's Brooke Nagusi, we're digging deeper into the potential of edtech and discovering how COVID-19 was not such a bad thing for online learning on the continent. We hope you enjoy it. More than 300 edtech startups are innovating across Africa to solve affordability and accessibility challenges in the education space. Many are doing great things, but Brooke says he thinks the real progress will be made when they start integrating the most up-to-date technologies into their platforms. I think we're all striving to get there as uh, African edtech companies. There's some great companies out of Kenya. There's some great companies out of Nigeria, South Africa, that I know uh, well of these three particular markets. I think coming up with that solution or that X factor and EdTech in Africa, where we're engaging. And I think this is where we are when we start adopting the uh, VR and AR technologies, right? And being able to start playing around with AI uh, and integrating it into EdTech platforms, right? I think that's going to be the X factor. I think, in my opinion, again, the platforms that currently exist are, are, are wonderful, right? So we see the Moodles, we see the blackboards and so forth. And we see, and I'm, and, and I'm biased because Canvas is something that works well for us, but you're able to write code for it, which basically personalizes a learning recommendation from a student perspective and also from an educator perspective. So I, I, I hope from a, a continent perspective where we go next is, is basically embracing you know, the AI, the virtual reality, and, and really just making it specific to the continent. Right. And when I say gamification, often in education, it's it's just edutainment, leveraging. You know, um, I, I, I'll quote a professor from Sierra Leone where we work with a university building a master's in business administration program. He said, we can't make it too boring. It has to be Sierra Leoneized. Right. So and I think that's where the X factors will come throughout the continent, where we we'll take on these technologies to make the changes uh, so that they're engaging for all of us. Like many other tech-based industries, the edtech space received a real boost from the enforced digitization that resulted from the COVID-19 pandemic. During COVID, what we found is, is that a lot of the universities were ill-prepared. There was no budgeting set up for learning management systems. Long story short, we built the AAU eLearn Africa LMS platform, deployed it in 100 universities. Now, what we're seeing is, is that they want to grow with the learning management systems. And so they want to be able to not just use it as a repository, but actually create content. Where we've seen that work well is primarily most of the varsity universities have adopted some type of learning management system. And I'm going to go back and talk about Canvas again because we've seen the Canvas implementation on a few on a few universities. This is a first. So we've never seen universities actually go out and contract learning management systems like Canvas. It used to be Moodle, which was free or free-ish, as I like to call it. But now they're actually going out and making investments and implementing Blackboard or the campuses. One of the things Elon Africa has done is launch an online MBA in partnership with Rhodes University in South Africa's Eastern Cape. Owen Skay, professor and associate director at Rhodes Business School, says the stimulus to move towards a more hybrid model of education came from COVID, but they needed to find an innovative way of making it work. We entered into an exciting partnership with Elon Africa 
to deliver a hybrid MBA and the vision is to take it to Africa. I think the justification for that is through COVID, we, we had to pivot to, to virtual online teaching, but you know, we fully acknowledge that just putting lectures onto Zoom doesn't really meet the need of the kind of immersive learning that, that needs to take place. With EdTech then, when it came to COVID, it was a case of not letting a good crisis go to waste. I think that what we realised, and I think that we were quite spot on in predicting that, is that in the aftermath, we would operate in a hybrid world. Does a switch to a more digital way of teaching pose challenges to education providers, however? Yeah, there's a huge learning curve. I, I don't want to just say that, you know, this is something that we can just... Uh, Going to do. Um, we learned very quickly that historically, you know, if you're an expert in your area, um, you could probably just walk into the classroom and even begin to speak off the cuff. Um, and I don't want to downplay the significance of, of just saying that that's the way that we did it. Certainly, we, we never did it like that. But in the virtual world, you simply can't do that. So we had to plan a whole year ahead. You have to really think about the timing, the sequencing, when you've got students um, living in different time zones and trying to balance all of that and then how you get them to collaborate with one another. So what we discovered is that there's a huge amount of planning that goes into that. And then when you actually, the devil's always in the details, so to speak. So when you actually map it out, you find, wow, okay, we realize there's not enough hours in the, in the month to do that. So how are we going to do things differently? And then the whole development work, uh, you know, you have to prepare things much more in advance. Um, and then given the nature of management education, things are always in a state of flux. So it might be that you start too early only to find that uh, three months late, it's already out of date, but then you start too late and you don't actually address what is contemporary. So it's all of these things that we had to consider. And I think that's where we, we learned that you need to have a, a strong partner to, to work with on that. One misconception around EdTech, Owen says, is that it reduces the cost of education, which is not necessarily the case. At the end, you still got to deliver the same quality. And, and when one considers the development in terms of the platform and all of that that goes behind it, you know, you need to have a, a production and machinery in order to make that happen. And I think what we certainly found during COVID is that there was a huge misconception out there that suddenly, you know, one could deliver it at much lower cost. Having said that, though, what it does is that it provides an opportunity for more students to register. Uh, and so you know, one hopes that over time, as the unit fixed costs come down, one can consider uh, making it uh, even more affordable from that point of view. There are, however, cost savings in the case of the Rose students in that they have to spend less time travelling to and from the university, as well as lower accommodation costs. Accessibility rather than affordability, though, is the key benefit of EdTech. But whereas the beginnings of Africa's EdTech revolution were on mobile, there has gradually been a move to desktop consumption of educational content, Brooks says. When we initially launched eLearn Africa, we had, I would say, 93% of people accessing the platform were doing it via mobile. And they not necessarily ever downloaded the mobile app. They would just go to the website and uh, do the courses. As we 
transformed beyond just MOOCs and are now building online uh, degrees. For an online degree, you have to be stationary on a computer generally. Sure, you could do short courses or you could watch a lecture on your mobile. But generally speaking, even though Canvas is supported on mobile, statistically, students that are doing graduate studies will do them on a PC versus mobile. But for the younger population, it is definitely uh, mobile. Now going back to the cohort that I was speaking about earlier with uh, the K-12, that was primarily PC because of the classroom situation that they were in. So they used computer labs. So again, if it's heavy on video, we're seeing it where they're more on PC. And if it's not heavy video, they're not on PC. How, though, do we ensure that the learning solutions being rolled out by Tech Ventures are of the necessary quality? So in higher education, quality assurance is paramount. So when we build an online degree or certificate, there is a quality assurance uh, protocol that we follow, and there is third-party reviews. So for, from that aspect, it, it definitely it is a controlled environment. When it comes to MOOCs, you know, we have probably about 200 courses created by uh, professors on their spare time. And I guess that's what we're trying to encourage, right, is educators to be able to go beyond their university and create content and launch them. Uh, when it comes to, um, I guess you could say, the guy in the garage putting together content, specifically, I've seen some on coding or using AI. I think we're in that part of life now with technology and internet access that we can verify if something is worthwhile or not. COVID-19 then provided a shot in the arm to Africa's edtech adoption, boosting accessibility of learning on the continent, if not necessarily affordability. Thanks to Brooke Nagusi and Owen Skay for their input there. Next week, in the final episode of this series, we'll turn to looking at the support ecosystem that exists around edtech ventures on the continent and how more needs to be done to ensure the sector fulfills its potential. For now, bye.